So welcome to the Independent Teach podcast. And in today's episode, I would like to introduce John Jones. And John has this fantastic role at the moment. So this brilliant title that you've got, which is Director of Innovation. I just I just love that, um, particularly in terms of teaching. So uh, can you just um, just go through your, I suppose, your teaching journey that got you to this this point where you are now? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, um, thanks for having me on your on your show. Thank and you. um, when I left university, teaching was, I suppose, uh, a, a, an objective at some point in the future, but certainly not something I wanted to do straight away um, due to the responsibility that I, I, you know, I knew it involved. So I worked uh, worked uh, in London for a company called Formula One Management. So um, working for, for Bernie Ecclestone at the time. So very different to teaching, but um, there was a lot of number work, so I had to compile statistics. There were some parallels. Uh, and then I left to go traveling, um, and then I sort of decided to, you know, when I got back, to, to, to get on the teaching journey. Uh, so I did a PGCE at uh, Brighton University, which was brilliant. Loved every second of it. I'm from Brighton, so it made sense to, to do it there. Um, and... Uh, then I got my first teaching job based on my second placement, which was at a little school uh, called St Pancras Catholic Primary School in Lewis on the outskirts of Brighton. One form entry. In fact, it was less than one form entry. Um, my, my first class was a split four, five and six uh, class. So there's was, was all sorts of uh, age groups in that. But it was, it, I loved that job. I, I absolutely adored it. Um, but because of the, uh, the Catholic hierarchy, um, they that you wouldn't you couldn't get up the sort of career ladder very well without being a Catholic, which I am not. Um, so then I thought I'd, I'd, I'd get back my in my my travelling shoes back on again, and um, we, me and my my wife set off to Monaco uh, to work at the International School of Monaco. So we lived in Nice, uh, and then moved to a little town called Beausoleil. Um, we were there for five years. Everyone wonders why on earth we ever left, um, and uh, the main reason being just to enormous gulf between normality in most other countries in the world and what the uh, the expectations of normality were in Monaco with a young family etc so we moved back to, for, to to Rochester in Kent so we went for the Mediterranean to the Medway which is a an interesting culture shift uh, and my job um, at the uh, in, in King's Rochester was the head of IT uh, and the previous two places I've been involved in IT as IT as an IT coordinator at uh, St Pancras and the, the head of IT at uh, Monaco, but that was more pedagogical, um, far less technical, and it still is today. Really, I, I do focus on the pedagogy rather than anything else. And then I spent six years at Kings uh, in Kent, and then uh, applied for this, as you said, wonderfully titled Director of Innovation job uh, here in Worcester. So um, I, I was fortunate enough to be offered the job and accepted it, and. Uh, um, have have lived in Worcester for the last well nearly three years now. Right. So, in terms of innovation, um, can you go through some of the projects that you've been involved in at Worcester, specifically in Worcester, or anywhere really? I mean, anywhere. I mean, anything that you can share with our listeners would be great. Yeah, well, it's, it's an interesting question um, because you know innovation is is a subjective thing um, and it's not always involved in technology. Uh, I, my my teaching career has coincided with the, the digital revolution. Um, in 2006, when I first started teaching in St Pancras, 
there was a very different digital landscape. There was no such thing as social media, really. Um, you know, there was no such thing as an iPad. There was no such thing as an iPhone. There wasn't an app store. So in, 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 that, in that 15 years, things have changed rapidly. Uh, and in Monaco, the, uh, the iPad was, was designed and, and, and put out into shops uh, by Apple uh, in the space of a couple of years. And uh, Monaco being Monaco, the kids being wealthy, uh, they had uh, iPads very quickly. So we were able to actually start one of the world's first uh, one-to-one iPad programs, which is a, obviously an innovation in itself. Uh, and then in, in, obviously I took that knowledge back to the job in, in, in Kent, in Kings. And interestingly, in 2013, when I started there, they didn't even have Wi-Fi. Um, so there was no there was no Wi-Fi available for anyone to listen to, which was uh, uh, to listen to, sorry, to tune into um, on their devices. And obviously, when you're a boarding school, it's quite an important aspect of, of connectivity. So we, one of the first things I did there was was get the Wi-Fi installed across what was a, a difficult uh, site because it's the second oldest school in the world, according to according to King's Rochester legend. Uh, and um, once we had the Wi-Fi set up, we had another one-to-one iPad program. But we we did other things like we sent a we sent a bear to space. Uh, tied to a tied to a balloon, uh, a weather balloon with a with a GoPro attached to it. And you're probably thinking, well, what on earth has that got to do with learning? But there was so many little projects we did off the back of that. Um, it was it was brilliant. We we the children that were involved in that were were, were digital leaders. But we called them digital geniuses. So that's something I've always been quite passionate about is you know, getting getting the kids to do these things. And since coming to to, to Worcester, uh, we've adopted artificial intelligence. Um, it doesn't mean we've got uh, sort of terminators running around everywhere. It, it simply means we'd be using a, a, a system called Century Tech to help teachers identify weaknesses, help pupils understand what their strengths and weaknesses are, uh, and personalised learning journeys. It's really, really, really quite effective. Um, we've also uh, started to adopt augmented reality um, um, uh, and virtual reality, but it's important not to innovate for the sake of it, not, no, not, not to go along with some fads that come along, but to try and actually find... Uh, actually find genuine meaning um, for learning in these in these things and with AI it's quite obvious and I think less so with, 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 with VR at the moment there are some really good uses for it but um, to actually the, the practicalities of actually using that in a classroom are, are, are quite difficult but you know it's, CPD is a massive thing that um, requires innovation and sort of strategic thought and uh, traditionally CPD is very you know one 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 shot stop if you like and uh, and we try to move away from that to identify exactly you know, bespoke learning pathways for teachers that are similar to what we do for children. So um, lots of exciting things on the on the on the agenda for innovation. But um, as, as long as it adds meaning to learning um, and uh, gives gives good value, not, as I said, uh, for the sake of it. And that's what I was going to ask you, really. I mean, do you think the technology that you've put in place in school actually helps the pupils to make progress with their learning because I know there are some people who some teachers who want to innovate and they want to introduce change but you mentioned technology and they don't feel that that's that's something for them and that they want to use I wonder if you've come across that at all but just generally you know do you think it does help students to make progress it's it's a very interesting question and yeah, the, the debate has raged for for you know, since well, I suppose since books were introduced about 120 years ago into classrooms, people thought these things were useless, and uh, 
um, the, the pen, the handwriting pen, um, you know, technology is digital now, but they're, they're, you know, smart boards, whiteboards, blackboards, all these things uh, cause problems to, to traditional ways of doing things. Um, and until, and quite rightly, teachers should question um, these things because often they are fads, they come along, they, they, you know, people promise the world and they, they, it fails to deliver. But, um, uh, you know, I think teachers need to see uh, these things do something. Um, and when, 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 it's, when the evidence is in front of you, when children are doing things that they couldn't do without the technology, when the children are engaged in lessons, when they're communicating with people on the other side of the world, when they're making animations, uh, you know, the, 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 there's genuine delight in their faces. And I think that is, is something. It certainly isn't the, uh, you know, the, 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 the cure to poor education. There's nothing better than a good teacher. Well, uh, um, however, having good technology and having teachers that know how to use it properly simply gives more variety to lessons um, in, a, in, a, in a simplistic way. Uh, but with, with the modern world, with the, the, the internet and the, the infinite resources that are on there in terms of knowledge and uh, information and quotes and uh, books, uh, pictures, films, whatever, um, without access to the internet, children really are missing out. Uh, and you know, this 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 prompts all sorts of other discussions about digital divides, etc. As well, yeah. but I think you know the, the modern workplace is is digital. Um, doctor surgeries are digital. Dentist surgeries are digital. Um, name a job that isn't digital or doesn't involve digital technology in some way, shape, or form. So we we don't claim to uh, know that our digital learning program will give us give people straight A's. We don't claim that it will get them the best jobs. But what we do say is that pupils that come to RGS Worcester will be given a, a real um, understanding of digital workflows. Um, and that puts them at an advantage to schools that don't embrace technology. Certainly when it comes to university applications or um, moving to the workplace, you know, coming to an Apple Distinguished School, using iPads from the age of, um, well, from year five up to, to year 13 on a day-to-day -day basis for meaningful purposes can only help. It's, you know, that, it's, it's those soft skills that everyone's talking about at the moment. Um, uh, no, you, you don't do a GCSE in uh, your ability ability to communicate. Um, obviously, you need to be able to communicate to pass exams in, in written form, but writing is a hard skill. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the ability to communicate, to, to mediate, to empathise, all these things don't necessarily come from technology, but when the curriculum is, is, is built with technology in mind, um, you can certainly uh, develop lots of other um, useful traits and skills for pupils um, that I think are, are ever increasingly valued in, in society. Do you have any sort of tips, guidance, advice, programmes that, that you would recommend? Yeah, um, well, it's, it's, again, it's a, it's a, it can be a very subjective question because it, it depends on the, the digital ecosystem you've got. We, we use iPads. Um, I'm, not, I'm certainly not saying that you, know, you must have iPads to be a successful school in a digital sense, but we believe they're the best tools. Um, partly because of the the quality of the apps that are on there, the reliability, the you know the um, the, the battery life, all sorts of different things. The, the support from the education side of things as well is, is is excellent. But in terms of specific apps, what was interesting was you know back in the day in Monaco when we first used these devices, we spent hours finding an app for this, an app for that, um, and the kids were coming with sort of 50, 60 apps on their, their iPads. Now we, we, we don't use more than six or seven. 
um, because the app quality is 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 very varied. So you need to make sure they're good. And a lot of the apps that Apple produce themselves have been developed, and they do lots of different things. For example, Keynote um, is a great app. It's free for a start, which helps. Um, you can animate. You can uh, record film and add it into your your presentations. You can uh, use Keynote for for presentations. You can use them for posters. You, you can use Keynote for almost everything um, in terms of evidencing your understanding of a subject. Another huge app at this article that we use again, it's a workflow app. So it's that whole uh, handing in work, collecting work, marking work um, fits in massively with our sort of push for sustainability. And it's called Shobi. Uh, it's a great app for uh, a variety of different reasons. It's functional. It's not so much a creative app, but it's similar, to, I suppose, to Google Classroom in the sense that it means that teachers can, can see work they can uh, mark work uh, in, in a variety of different ways as well. So no longer you restricted just to you know, get your red biro out and saying, you know, great piece of work, please improve this, that, the other. You can actually voice feedback, you can give video feedback, uh, and not just on the work itself, but on specific parts of the work. So the question a lot of people ask at this point is, well, what about work that isn't digital? Well, children take pictures and upload it to Shobi. And certainly with, with remote learning, it was an absolute godsend uh, to, to be able to do that. And certainly with the, as you know, we spoke earlier uh, about the potential of a, a future lockdown, um, we know that we can revert to remote learning and depend on Shobi uh, for learning to continue. Um, what else is there? Book Creator is a great one that we use. Again, it's a simple, simple app just to compile work. Uh, uh, Clips we use, again, it's an Apple app, which is great for video content and, and showing understanding. And because of social media, because of things like TikTok, et cetera, you know, children understand this medium. Uh, but again, I'm not claiming that any of these things are going to get you straight A's. It's simply these, you know, these, these creative apps are, are simply ways children can express themselves in different ways. Um, and, you know, having a, a teacher who has these, the ability to um, ask children to produce work and, and, and ask the children to produce it in any way they wish is, is a slight advantage, I think, because children can then decide um, upon on ways and means that suit them to explain the Roman Empire, for example, or, um, uh, you know, the rise and fall of the Weimar Republic. Uh, they can make a film about it as opposed to simply writing an essay. Yet they do need to write an essay to pass the tests that still are at the end of their educational journey. And, and it's true to say, isn't it, that although you're an Apple school, Google Classroom will have similar programs, Absolutely. similar approaches, Microsoft Teams, Office 365. That's, you know, they've all developed these through the pandemic, haven't they? That, you know, and, and schools have, have tended to opt into one perhaps of those three, isn't it? Apple, Microsoft, or Google. And there's a huge crossover between them as well. So we, we use Google here. We've got Apple, Apple devices, but we use, yeah. we use Google Meet um, as, our, as our, our video conferencing software for remote learning. Um, uh, Microsoft Teams is brilliant. Don't get me wrong, we don't use it here, but that's simply because we had Google in the first place. So rather than reinvent the wheel, we, we just used the, the, the existing infrastructure. Um, I think there's an, I can't remember the exact analogy, but it was something to do with, with a, a sort of a, a van transporting food. It doesn't really matter uh, about the van. It's more about the content of the van. If it's full of healthy food, i.e. the, the, the pedagogy is right, the, the lessons are planned well, um, and teachers know what they're doing, then the, 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 the good work's going to get to the destination in the end. And that's, that's more about planning pedagogically than deciding which 
which we should use whether it's Zoom or Meet or, 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 or Microsoft. It, it doesn't matter as long as the people using it know what they're doing. Has the pandemic, do you think, increased collaboration between schools and maybe between independent schools and state schools? Do you think that's the case? Um, I, th- I certainly think that's the case with us. I can't speak for other schools, mm. obviously. Um, but then I suppose I, I can in the sense that the schools I've connected with have also connected with us. So, so they're, they're obviously collaboration is a two-way thing. Um, and certainly we, we, we were very fortunate to be in a position that we could deliver remote learning from day one of the first lockdown. So we literally you know, went online and started teaching. So we mitigated learning loss uh, hugely. And I don't think there's many schools that were able to do that. And certainly schools without any digital infrastructure would were not able to do that in any way, not even think about it, let alone, let, alone, let alone do it. And then we saw that whole laptop program being started by the government, um, which, is, which is great. And you know, we, we do want schools to have digital devices. But my concern, and it still is a concern now, is that you can't just give out technology to schools and hope that it's going to work because you need to put the training in place. You need to make sure the teachers, the pupils, uh, the parents to an extent actually know how to use these things. And as I said before, how to teach with them because you know, teaching online isn't simply about doing the same thing that you normally do with, a, with a, the camera in front of you. You've got to adjust the way you do things. And that takes time to train. And we, we certainly didn't get that right here. We, we were able to do the lessons, but we learned, we got feedback, we did um, surveys to, to staff and to parents, to pupils from the first lockdown and changed the way we did it for the second one, et cetera. Um, so yeah, in terms of sorry, your, your, your actual question though was more to do with collaboration. And when we when we shared what we were doing with other schools, they got back in touch with us uh, and wanted to wanted to know more. And certainly by the end of the pandemic, we'd we'd got as far as forming something called the, the West Midlands EdTech Hub. And this was after a conversation I had with a, a colleague and, and friend of mine called Ty Goddard, who's the chair of EdTech UK. He had already um, instigated two other edtech hubs elsewhere in the country. One in, I think it's in uh, in, in, in Hull, the, the Humber, and one in Manchester. And we, we spoke about doing something similar in the West Midlands, which, we, which we've now done. And that includes just a, a number of like-minded educationers from all different sectors. We've got further education, we've got University of Worcester in there, uh, some state schools, uh, a couple of, uh, I think there's one other independent school in there as well. Just with teachers uh, and educators who want to learn from each other and see what we can do to, to help the region, if you like, uh, you know, a, a community of practice, if you like, uh, for collaboration uh, and uh, uh, to, to actually get things done, to make a difference and, uh, um, you know, find out where we can help in the, in the community with collaboration. So in answer to your question, yes, I think, um, you know, in times of, in times of uh, a struggle, people do tend to pull together. And I think schools, uh, despite the humongous challenges that they've faced, have actually done a remarkable job. And, uh, you know, that's, that's not just RGS Worcester, that's, that's schools up and down the country and, and indeed all over, the, all over the world. How can um, schools get involved with the EdTech Hub? And do they have to be schools within the West Midlands? Because I know I've got listeners... Um, who are tuning in from Germany, America. Um, is, is that hub just for UK schools and just for schools in the West Midlands? Well, the West Midlands EdTech Hub's primary sort of function and focus is to help the, the local community with, with technological deployments. 
Now, that's not to say uh, if you, anyone got in touch with any of us, we wouldn't help. Um, for example, we're, we're currently working with a school in Ghana, uh, and you know it's a similar sort of thing. They're not part of the West Midlands EdTech Hub because that wouldn't necessarily be much use to them. What they have done, I think they've got in contact with us. Just you know, if, if your listeners from Germany, for example, wanted to contact me, then they'd be more than welcome. Um, and if I couldn't help, because of the West Midlands EdTech Hub, I could point them in the right direction to someone who could, for example, if they had questions on Microsoft or further education, because of that joined up thinking of our group, there's enough people in it now to better point almost anyone to anybody uh, to help them out. Uh, in terms of the Ghanaian project, we, we, we were fortunate enough to have some old iPads that were lying around. Uh, when I say lying around, they just, they, 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 you couldn't put the latest iOS on them. So they, they got as far as iOS 10, which meant they weren't fit, no, they basically weren't fit for purpose at, at our school. Um, we, we donated some of these to local schools, uh, to a, a local school in Kidderminster, uh, but we also, because of a contact, uh, were able to donate some of these to uh, the, high, the technical high school in Tongo, which is right in, right in the north of Ghana. Uh, and um, we've, we've, ever since then, we've, 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 we've got in contact with them online. Only two weeks ago, they were stay, their, their children were singing to our children um, via yes, a Google okay. Meet after the prep school. And vice versa. It was all quite quite emotional, really. It was really <laughs> nice to see. Um, and uh, they've now got these devices in their classrooms, and they're being used. Uh, and you know, again, it's 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 going to make those children uh, experience genuine digital workflows. Um, even just having a camera at their fingertips to go out and take pictures of the wildlife and of the the ecosystem, and uh, and and use apps like Keynote to to annotates etc etc just gives them that experience of, of what what is out there in the world uh, and hopefully they you know they're, they're really benefiting from those and but we're benefiting just as much by by that cultural exchange and you know long term we hope pupils from there can come and visit us and vice versa and how often is the west midlands ed tech hub taking place an interesting question it's it's, it's always it's, it's it's we've got a whatsapp group which <laughs> is it's sometimes it's very lively. Sometimes there's a sort of week or so that passes with not much action on it. Everyone's extremely busy at the moment, but certainly we've we've had one big uh, online uh, webinar conversation about the digital divide. I think we'll probably organise something for the for the new year, the next term. We we'll look at doing one event a term. I think. Yeah. Um. People have got so much to do. We can't. Um. We can't expect a, a great deal more than that. But it, it's. The West Midlands EdTech Hub is is constantly operational. So, for example, if if one of your listeners, like I said, did contact me, yeah, um, I'll ping a question to WhatsApp group and I'll get an answer pretty much straight away. Um, and you know, we've we've added to it since since the webinar. We've had a couple of teachers from Birmingham who who, who are very keen uh, to join, who are now are now in. So it's it's a pool of knowledge that is valuable to to everyone involved in it, and hopefully will will offer value to to anyone else who's who's interested too. Now, we're almost at the end. Um, so I'd like to just ask you this question. In the next five years, in terms of digital learning, what are your predictions? Interesting question. Um, I, I think the big thing, that we've, I've already alluded to it beforehand, the big thing that's changing, not just in education, but in, in the world, in shops, in banks, online, everywhere, is, is artificial intelligence. Um, and I think we, you know, we use it here already, in this, in the, as I said, for, for helping to personalise learning and identify weaknesses. But I think it can expand as well. The, 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 we use Century Tech, which is a great company, but they only 
they only operate at the moment in English, maths, and science. So there's a huge gap there uh, uh, to you know for computer science, for geography, history, all the other subjects to have some sort of similar program. I'm pretty sure sure that, that Century Tech will expand. Um, but as that develops, the data set that, that you'll be able to create on children from the age of you know, three or four when they do that first diagnostic, right up to the time that they're about to leave to go to university. What I'm hoping is that, you know, this could spell the end of exams. This could spell the end of what we were talking about at the start of this conversation, that need to sit down in a room on a desk and just regurgitate knowledge, which you still have to do. And you've been doing it for 130 years now. These things haven't changed and that doesn't suit everybody. So if you if you have a way of automating that process in the sense that you do diagnostics from the age of three, four, five, right up to the time they're about to leave school, you'll have a, a huge amount of data knowing exactly what children are good at. Um, that, that system will have helped them to develop in areas they're weak at. Uh, it will help with careers advice because they'll know uh, what their where their strengths lie. Um, and they won't need to do a test at the end of it to prove it. They, they can take that data. They could take that report to, to an employer and say, look, this is what I've done. Um, and therefore, we could focus more in schools on, on, on those soft skills, if you like, which I hate that term, by the way. So it, it makes it sound like they're, they're not important, but they are. Uh, and we could focus on those more those 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 skills that are you know, really valuable in the workplace. And the, the, at the end of all this, because of that, that development of artificial intelligence, there's all those jobs that won't exist anymore in the future because they'll be automated. Things, you know, HR, for example, and uh, accounting robots will be doing that within the next 15 years that's another prediction of mine which sounds sounds a little bit strange but um i, I really do believe we we are on the cusp of something very interesting with ai you don't see ai replacing the teachers then no not at all not at all no. what it will do it will reduce marking um yeah. it will give teachers the uh the, the, the more freedom to do them, the more humane things because uh, the, the the more process driven aspect of what we do can be automated but standing up as I said right at the start of this in front of a classroom and teaching a great lesson is irreplaceable and uh, no matter, matter how much technology you give to someone um, you've still got to be a good teacher uh, to actually get those pupils to to learn and I think um, you know when you can combine those two things together you've got a very powerful situation. You know, I think that's a perfect point to end. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked about the technology, but also how important our teachers are for, for young people today. John, can I say thank you ever so much for joining us and our listeners? And it has been fascinating. And it will be interesting to see if your predictions within five years come true. We might be booking an appointment in five years to come back and, and just see where we are. Please do. Please do. Okay. Thank you ever so much. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having me. You have been listening to the Independent Teacher Podcast with me, your host, Susan Pallister, and today's very special guest, John Jones.